Welcome to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf, episode 151. Hello again, everyone. Tom Purcell here, and thanks so much for joining us. We say it every time if you're a first-time listener or a long-time subscriber to the show. Either way, it doesn't matter. The important thing is you're with us today, and we are so glad you are. As I am glad that this gentleman's with us today. He, uh, he is the Senior Vice President of Golf Ball Research and Development at Titleist. We tried to go as high as we could, and we shot high for the stars, and we got him. Mr. Mr. Bill Morgan joining us from up north. Bill, thanks so much. It's, it's great having you. Good morning, Tom. Nice to be here. If you would, Bill, tell us a little bit about what you do at Titleist, your, your responsibilities, and if you want to go back a little further, what you did before in, you know, in, uh, in your life in golf. Okay. Well, uh, let's start at the beginning. I, uh, way back in the early 1980s, I went to work for the Ben Hogan Company, um, working on golf balls for them. I was there for about four years, and in 1986, uh, got an opportunity to come to work for a cushioning company, working on Titleist golf balls, and, and I've been here ever since. So i got a little over 30 years making golf balls, and almost all of it's here at a cushioning company. Um, the first ball I worked on was, uh, was a product called the Titleist 384 Tour LT, and I've been here as golf ball construction has migrated from the old wound liquid center bolada balls through the introduction of the urethane cover, the introduction of the first two-piece Titleist balls, solid multi-layer balls, uh, was here for the Pro V1 and, uh, and hope to be here for the next ball. Well, George, nothing to me is more interesting and amazing than the story of the Pro V1 golf ball. It's, a, it's something, it's a brand within a brand at Titleist. It's, when you announce a new one, you don't have to call it the, the brand new Pro V1 2. Can you go back and tell us a little bit how that ball got started and how this thing has sustained its, its role over the years? goes back quite a ways. When when I first got here at Titleist, we were making Bellotta-covered balls for tour players, for, for the game's best players. They, they offered the best spin and control properties for shots into the green, but as we all know, those old Bellotta balls weren't very durable, and they weren't very long off the tee. We also had you know, two-piece distance balls like, like our Pinnacle product or, or even kind of hybrid balls like the Titleist DT that had a Serlin cover and a wound construction. And so we, we were always looking back in the day for ways to, to make a golf ball that had the best attributes of all those different balls. Um, in the mid-1980s, we were working very hard on developing a urethane cover material. We had chemists that that was, that was all they did, was, was work on the next generation of cover materials. And, and urethane was the path we were on because we thought it offered uh, softness and feel characteristics similar to Bellotta, but toughness and durability that was more along the lines of Serlin. And so we thought that was a great way to go. And by the, by the late 80s and into the early 90s, we knew we had a new cover material, and, and we were then in the process of adapting our manufacturing methods to use this new material. And in about 1993, we introduced a product with a urethane cover on it. But it was still a wound ball. And, uh, you know, we weren't sure what golfer reception it would be, but when we introduced the professional golf ball in the United States, it really took off for us, and it was clear to us that a lot of golfers were seeing extra value in a cover that lasted longer and a construction that was more durable, 
and picking up some distance, but still having excellent playable performance into the green. So the, the, the wound professional ball was a big success for us. Right after we introduced the professional, in the labs, we all said, hey, we should try making a, making a two-piece ball with a urethane cover, too. And so we tried that, but it really wasn't a very good ball. It had some problems. We did a test market with it. It was called Pro Two-Piece. I think uh, uh, four or five cities across the country got, got significant volumes of the Pro Two-Piece in just a few shops. There were a few people that liked it. We sold them all, and the, but we, we discontinued the test market because we didn't like the product. Almost as soon as we put it on the shelves, we realized there was probably a better way to make a solid construction ball than a urethane two-piece. And that was by, by layering the design. And so somewhere in that mid-90s period, we had this idea to, to take, a, take what essentially was a two-piece ball, like the Titleist HVC at the time, and put a very, very thin layer of urethane over the outside of it. When we, when we talked about it in the labs, we said, what if we could just veneer the cover? You know how you sometimes see um, furniture that has a thin veneer layer on the top that gives it a wood grain look, but, but sure, underneath yeah. will be mm -hmm. something else. So the name of the project was the veneer. And so we started working on these veneer balls, and we made wound ones, and we made solid ones. Um, but we started testing them. As we started testing them with players, and believe it or not, we had tour players hit veneer construction golf balls that were essentially very close to the first Pro V1 as early as 1996. So we'd been working on veneer for a while when the tour players hit them, but they seemed to like the solid ones more than the wound ones. And it, the reason why they did is they were getting, they were getting two-piece ball distance with soft wound ball performance into the green. And of course, you know, at, at this point in time, the lights are going off above everybody's head. And, you know, we realized, hey, this is the thing we've been talking about for years. And so we, we spent some time figuring out how to make them properly so that they would all be the same every time. Because, you know, that's really the, the history and tradition of the Titleist brand is, is finding a better way to make better golf balls to help golfers shoot lower scores. And when you introduce a new design, you've got to make sure it's at least as good as everything went before it, hopefully better. And so by the late 90s and into 2000, we, we felt we'd gotten the Pro V1 where we needed it to be, but we were still calling it the veneer ball. We didn't have a name for it. So we're, we're continuing to test with golfers. There was one golfer in particular, I'm not going to use his name, but uh, he was trying to talk the USGA into allowing him to use it at the British Open, even though it wasn't on the conforming ball list. That's how excited tour players were about this. And so um, when it did appear on the conforming ball list for the first time, which was in the fall of 2000, we went to the very first tournament, which was uh, – uh, in Las Vegas, and we had a, a pretty good supply of product, and a number of us were out there for for tour player sampling, and we thought we'd get, you know, 20 or 30 players to give it a try in the tournament that week, but as players were coming off the, the course, having finished a practice round with one of our representatives, I was there, a number of other people were there, they were so excited about the new ball because because it... 
it flew very consistently, it was long, and it still had the same great performance into the green that they were accustomed to having with the wound Titleist Professional. That word of mouth among tour players just took off, and everybody needed to try it, and a, and a lot of them put it in play that week. And that's really where the overnight success story of the Titleist Pro V1 came from. Now, the balls were marked Pro V1. And as we're testing with the players, we told every one of them, we're going to change the name of the ball because this is just some goofy lab name we made up. What it was was we didn't know what to call this thing. Was it a professional ball like our other urethane ball? Was it going to have a brand new name? We didn't, we didn't have a good sense of what to call it. So when it came time to list it with the USGA, I just literally wrote pro on it short for professional, in case we wanted to call it professional later, V for veneer, veneer project, and one because it was the first one. And it was a lab name. We weren't going to use it. We were, we were doing research on what the product should be called, and so we're warning the tour players, we're going to change the name. But after a week or two, they kept telling us, we love the name. This is a great name for the ball. Keep it. So we did. So maybe we could say tour players name for the ball. Um, and, you know, word of tour player success leaked out into the marketplace. We had planned to introduce it into the market in March of 2001, but because our customers were, were just, the phones were ringing off the hooks, we, we actually started shipping them in late November, December of 2000. And that's really when, I guess you'd call it, the explosion began. What a fantastic story. I mean, and the pro for the professional, like you said, it's a lab name, pro, and then V for veneer, and then one was, well, this is our first run at it, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it, exactly. It was lucky. Yeah, and I remember back in that day, I think there was a shampoo called Pro-V from Pantene or something like that, so yeah. I guess, I guess oh, you guys I, had to trademark it pretty quickly, right? Um, well, you know, we, we did for golf balls, but, you know, uh, you can't really do anything about shampoo, and I, I don't know which came first, the shampoo or the... Uh, or the golf ball. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. It was a couple of years that that I found that shampoo on the shelf at, at my local supermarket, and I've been using it ever since. Not just because I like the name. <laughs> well, Bill, normally I think it's a you release a new ball or, or a new family of balls every couple of years, I believe. Just recently, the new Pro V1 and Pro V1 are X are out. Can you talk a little bit about the improvements? Obviously, it's longer. Um, the feel is exquisite like it normally is, but can you share a little bit about that? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, we changed the Pro V1 and, and now the Pro V1X golf balls every couple of years. Um, it gives us a chance in, in our labs to come up with improvements based on um, feedback we get from players like tour players as well as the work we do with amateur golfers, whether it's in a ball fitting session or commentary we get from team titleists. So we're always looking for ways to make the product better. I mean, it's it's not unusual for me to say, as I'm, we're introducing the new product to both our sales force and golfers, here's the new product, what do you want next? We'll just immediately start the process of what's the next one going to be. So every couple of years we're ready to do that. And uh, right now we're, we're shipping the new 2013 Pro V1 and Pro V1X golf balls. Um, they both share one big change, which is, is probably one of the most significant changes we've made to the family since its introduction, but they have some other differences as well. So I'll, I'll start with Pro V1. A lot of golfers have told us they like softer golf balls, and so the Pro V1 
it's softer. It's the softest Pro-V1 we've ever made. It's, uh, it's got a lower compression specification. I don't really like to talk about compression numbers because everybody uses a different scale these days to measure compression, but I'll just tell you that when we measure this new Pro-V1, it's the softest one we've ever made. Um, Pro-V1X has some changes in its core as well. It's a dual-core ball, unlike the Pro-V1, which is a single-core ball. And the dual core of Pro-V1 has changes in its center, the inner core, if you will, has a new manufacturing process and formulation that helps it be much more consistent. It's borrowing some technology that we introduced on the Pro-V1 ball a generation ago, and so now we have it on Pro-V1X as well, and it's what we call ZG process core technology. It's a, it's a technique in our manufacturing operation that enables us to make golf balls with much more consistent properties like compression and hardness, which translates into more consistent golf balls, which we hope will translate into more consistent play by golfers. And so far, golfers have agreed with us. I mean, that is the heritage of the Titleist brand, a more consistent golf ball. And, and it looks like this, this new technology is helping us make balls that help golfers play better. So they both have changes in their core. The big change that I mentioned a few minutes ago is, is more related to the cover and paint system. We have new cover technology and new paint technology, which when coupled together are giving the exterior surface of these golf balls a longer lasting feature. They, they're just I hesitate to say tougher because people will think they're harder. They're not harder. They're the same as they were, maybe even just slightly softer, but they, uh, they just last longer in play. They're much more difficult to scuff up. They stay wider longer, and you can keep the ball in play longer. So we're giving golfers of, of all skill levels, and especially golfers like me with higher handicaps, uh, a golf ball that, that just they can keep in play longer because it lasts longer. It's a longer-lasting finish because of a combination of changes we made to the cover and to the paint system. Bill, some of the hardest people to get to change are the tour players. But from what I've under, understood on the new Pro V1, Pro V1 X ball, the reception on tour has been phenomenal. Well, you know, tour players are, are a little bit different from you and I in that they are, I, I try to describe them, everything is specialized for them. They, these, are, these are super customized everything that they have, from their shoes and, and their, their golf shafts. You just look at the array of golf shafts that are available just for regular folks. Well, it's even broader for tour players. The custom grinds on the irons, the, I mean, just everything about their equipment is super customized. Um, well, golf balls are used with this super customized equipment. Can you imagine a golfer who, who goes through uh, a complete fitting process for, for his entire bag of clubs, and then two weeks later someone says, hey, i got a new golf ball I want you to try. He, he's got to be thinking, you know, I just got fit for all my sticks, and now you want me to change my ball? Well, that's going to change every stick in my bag. I don't want to go through that. So over the years, you know, we've had a number of golfers who have, rather than make another change, have continued to play an older model of one of our golf balls. And, and that's fine with us. We, we can make small numbers of those available for tour players. Um, but, you know, it's always been our preference that they switch to current models. So 
as we design products, we're trying to work with them earlier in the process so that they can see the change coming. You know, we had tour players hitting what we thought would be the new product a year ago. And so as they saw the change coming and as they were working to finalize their stick selections for the 2013 season, they, they already had a very good sense of what, what ball they would be using and what ball types would be available going forward. Additionally, you know, they're, they're steering the process as well. So um, it's just much easier for them with, with our design and involvement with player process for them to move into the new products. This new generation of products is, uh, I think we've had the fastest conversion to the 2013 Pro V1 and Pro V1X golf balls that we've had probably since we introduced the original Pro V1. And that's, that's part of how we've worked with players, but just the strength of the product as well. Bill, as we wrap this up, or, or get closer to wrapping it up, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you mentioned fitting, and obviously club fitting and ball fitting. How would somebody go about, or how do you recommend somebody go about being fit for a golf ball? I was reading a a Q and A Q&A with with you in Golf Golf Week, and and you, you said that hey, just fitting somebody based on swing speed—that's a myth because there are so many swing speeds in a round of golf. It's not just your driver speed, correct? Sure. If you look if you look at every type of shot you make, there's a tremendous range of swing speed that every golfer uses during the round of golf. So I guess if you're if you're being fit for swing speed, you're only being fit for one type of swing. And usually the swing that people talk about is is the driver because everybody wants to hit the ball farther. Well, that's a tremendous mistake because you really only hit your driver maybe 14 times around. I think that when people are fit for golf balls, what they really want to do is shoot a lower score. Strip everything else aside. What do you want most? You want a lower score. So how do you get a lower score? You ask any teacher how you can improve your score, and they'll all tell you the same thing. Improve your short game. Now, isn't, shouldn't that same thing be true related to fitting? Of course it should be. So if you want to improve your score with fitting, you should focus on the short game. So if we're going to fit someone for a golf ball, we start with the short game. Little short shots to the green, and then we progressively move to longer and longer shots, and we compare a couple of different golf balls to see which one works best for that golfer. You know, shots to the green are completely different from shots off the tee. Everybody wants to do the same thing off the tee. They want to hit it straight, and they want to hit it far. But shots into the green are different. We have different styles of play. Some players will hit it higher. Some will hit it lower. Some move the ball left to right, some right to left. Some want to hit it short and run it up. Some want to hit it past the target and bring it back. How do you know what's the best ball without trying those shots? And each green is a little bit different. Each lie is a little bit different. You literally have to go on the golf course and in the short game try different kinds of shots that the player feels are important to changing the score in his game. That's where your focus should be. It's not unlike what a teacher does when he's trying to help a golfer shoot a lower score. It's really the same process. What swing changes, what ball changes are going to help you shoot a lower score. And, and once you learn a bit about the short game, you move on to longer and longer shots. It's completely different from what, what 
a lot of people think you can just go to the tee, bang balls out on the range, and, and make a decision about your ball. I, I certainly wouldn't do it that way. That's not what's going to help you shoot a lower score. And, you know, I think a lower score is what we all want. Now, you don't get to change your ball after you hit your tee shot. You're not supposed to do that. No, not at all. Well, Bill, this has been great having you on. Uh, Titleist Pro-V again is one of the things, like you said, in that really, really resonates, goes back a long, long way, and, and the history's fantastic. The new balls are fantastic. Uh, some final words for our listeners from you, please. Well, I'd I just like to encourage all of our listeners to uh, to take a look at our website, um, join Team Titleist. Uh, you can be part of the development process yourself. We are always asking Team Titleist members um, questions about how they play the game and what's important to them and what they believe will help them shoot a lower score. And frankly... Several times during the year, we do pick members of Team Titleist to test some new product for us. So if you're in there, you got a chance to literally be testing the next generation of golf balls. So, so sign up right away and uh, help me make a better ball for you. Now you can't test if you're not in there, right? That's right. Join TeamTitleist.com. Bill Morgan, thanks so much. Let's do it again sometime soon. I'd like to, Tom. Thanks. Thank you. How about that? A little history of the Pro V1 golf ball. The name stands for professional veneer, like a veneer finish on furniture, and the number one. Just a lab name that just happened to stick since uh, since the early 2000s. Well, thanks again to Bill Morgan, Senior Vice President of Golf Ball Research and Development, for joining us today. Our good friends at Titleist and Akushnet Golf for putting us together. And to you, our listeners. And we'll do it again next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at edwinwattsgolf.com. So long, everyone.